Okay, our topic tonight, Jeremiah chapter 14, corporate repentance. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah concerning the droughts. <clears throat> so no doubt during this time, um, there were droughts taking place upon the land, and um, symbolic of what was going on in people's souls. They were dried up, uh, no spiritual nourishment, no rain from the Lord. Rain in the Bible represents God's blessings, and so the blessings were withheld. And so the next several verses go through Jeremiah just uh, sharing, or, or, or the, I guess the Lord saying, you know, just how dry it is. Uh, and then we jump to verse 7. Jeremiah speaking to the Lord, Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, take action for your namesake. For our backslidings are many, we have sinned against you. And so we see Jeremiah pleading to the Lord for rain, for prosperity to return to the land, not because of any goodness on their own part, but because of the Lord's name, because of the Lord's righteousness, for his name's sake, for his honor and for his glory, he's asking for God to take action. He's asking for God to work in behalf of the people. And that's important uh, in our prayers. It's not because of any deeds that we do. We don't merit anything to the Lord by our good deeds. Now, by rejecting God and rejecting his word, we put ourselves outside of his protection, and when we're not obeying God, then we're obeying the devil, and it just leaves us open for the devil's attacks. So calamities do come as a result of that. But it's not God... It's like punishing us for that. And then if we now be good, then God will be good to us. Uh, so Jeremiah is pleading not because of any good on we, our own part, because there is no goodness in us. And, and, and as Isaiah wrote, all our righteousness, even the goodness that we could possibly do, amounts to nothing but a bunch of filthy rags to be thrown away, refuse. And so any goodness that does come out of us, any pure goodness that does come out of us, because again, the, the regular goodness that's the filthy rags is because all of our good deeds, or seemingly good deeds, are still tainted with selfish motives. We do things, maybe we do some good things, but we're hoping something back in return. We're hoping for a promotion or a raise or for someone to like us uh, or to befriend us or to then be good back to us um, or that we want some kind of status or some kind of, uh, acknowledgement or, or, or fame or, or, or um, pat on the back. And so all of our selfish, all of our good deeds that are done outside of the Lord are still just, again, filthy rags. But when we surrender our lives to the Lord, when we receive his forgiveness, when self is subdued and, 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 and we are dead in the Messiah, and the Messiah then comes and lives on, in us through the Holy Spirit and renews a whole new life and makes us a new birth, and then lives out of us, he is doing the good works through us. So even then, when pure good works come out of us, we don't get the honor and glory because it's the Holy Spirit who's just using our body. We've given him permission to use us in manifesting his goodness to those around us. And so, we, again, we don't get the glory, so it's still God's glory. And so even then, we pray, God, do whatever, you know, answer our prayers, do something in our behalf, whatever our prayer requests are, because of your namesake. That's why we pray in Yeshua's name. That's the purpose of praying that way. It's not just kind of an ending salutation that just, you know, but it's we're, 
We're praying not because of any goodness of mine, but because of him, because of his righteousness, because of his perfect life. Right? So if I went into the bank and I asked them for a million dollar loan, they would say no. But if I came in there and said I am representing, and if I really was representing, if I am representing you know, such and such corporation, I am representing you know, Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or someone like that, they say, well, based on his merits, based on his uh, ownings, based on what he has, based on his value, sure, then we will give uh, the million dollar loan to the company or whatever, and you know, we'll deal with you as the representative. And so in the same way, we come to the Lord, not our bank accounts are just bankrupt before the Lord. Again, we have no innate righteousness or goodness in our birth and in our lives. And then the, what we do have when we give our lives to the Lord is his. It's still his coming out of us. And so we come to him in prayer and praying in his righteousness, in his name. That's what it means, in his name. Like he's saying, for your name's sake. So we pray in his name. In Hashem, in his name, the name, the name of the Lord. And so that's where our prayers are, and that's what Jeremiah is doing. For your name's sake, please answer. He's not coming, oh, because we did this and we did that, and we've been so good, and I don't deserve this, and so uh, please do something good because I deserve it. That prayer is not going to get us anywhere because God knows better. He knows we don't deserve it. And if he does bless and answer our prayers, then we just then reiterate, it just compounds the thought that we deserve it. And then if we just do better, which again, without him, we cannot do, so it becomes a work-related religion. And we need to try harder and do better and, and do good uh, by just grit and, and might, which we cannot do. But by his spirit, he can do all things through us. And that's the balance. Him working through us produces the good works. And so he's praying for God's sake. For your namesake, for your reputation, answer our prayers, take action, help us. But then he acknowledges our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. This is where we get into this corporate repentance. Corporate repentance doesn't mean the whole corporation repents. If God waited for the whole entire corporation, for all of humanity, or for all of his people to repent, it's not going to happen. He knows that. And so... Uh, We'd be here for you know, billions and billions and billions of years, and it wouldn't happen. Um, so, but corporate repentance is when one or more individuals repent in behalf of the corporate. Repent, of the corporate. And that's what we see Jeremiah doing here. For our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. Now, Jeremiah understands, even though he's a prophet, and even though, again, God's calling upon him, and anointed by the Holy Spirit, touched with a coal off the Lord's altar, and, and given words from the Lord, and no doubt, uh, by God's grace, obedient to the Lord, he includes himself in this. Now, he very well could say, for my backslidings, for I have sinned against you, and that would be true. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is why we need the Lord. That's why we need the Lord's sacrifice. That's why we need an atonement. That's why we need a Messiah. That's why he came and, and died for us to give us that forgiveness, to pay the price for us. And that's why we need his spirit to come inside us and live out of us. So that goodness can come from us. 
that we can have victory over sin, that we don't have to continue sinning. But until that point, yes, our backslidings are many, and we have all sinned. But he's not just praying for himself, but he's praying corporately. Our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. So he's including himself. He's not praying, Lord, please do something for this country. This country is a horrible country. It's messed up. They're sinning all over the place from, from the lowest to the highest. There's just sin throughout the camp, throughout the nation, throughout. So please, Lord, for your name's sake, take action because they're rotten, filthy jerks. They've been backsliding since I've ever known them, since my birth, it's everything I've ever heard. They're backsliding, and they've got many sins, but still have mercy on them and do something for them. He doesn't pray that. And that's a major difference, a very important difference. You know, our prayers might be, you know, if we get to the point of loving our enemy, and that's a major step there, that's a miraculous step there. And then we might even pray for our enemies, whether that's, you know, that annoying neighbor or that uh, boss or that worker or that landlord or that relative. Even if we get to the point of willing to pray for them, and I'm talking more than just a prayer, Lord, get them out of here, you know. I mean, praying in their behalf, you know, we might pray, Lord, they're miserable. They're causing me so many problems. We've changed them so they're not so miserable to me anymore. Right? It's still all a selfish prayer. Right? Change them so... They're not making me miserable. Right? When we get to the point of even them praying in their behalf, Lord, save them for their sake so that they can go to heaven. That's a good, that's the next step along the line. That's, that's much better. But then when we enter in with them in the prayer, and Lord, forgive me and my neighbor, forgive me and my relative, forgive me, forgive us, because we are in need of your grace, in need of your mercy. And that's the point where Jeremiah is at. He identifies with the people. He doesn't see himself, I'm the prophet, I'm the good guy. You know, religious people are often being accused by irreligious people of thinking we are holier than thou, holier than them. Well, obviously, if we live a life like Jeremiah and we pray a life like Jeremiah, they can accuse us of that, but it wouldn't be true. Jeremiah did not pretend like he was better than everybody else. And I have no doubt that Jeremiah lived a better life than, 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 than many, especially those that the Bible points out, as we'll see a mention here in a little bit, of a certain people group within his community. And so Jeremiah certainly lived a better life than them, but he did not boast about that. He did not take credit for that, because again, it was God doing it through him. So in and of himself, he can say, Lord, we our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. And even if our lives are a little better than someone else's, even if Jeremiah's life was more righteous, sinned less than others, the, the comparison is not between us and others. The comparison is not between us and what we used to be. The comparison is between us and God. And that's like standing on top of the uh, Empire State Building and looking down and thinking that you can judge by looking down of who's taller <laughs> among the people down there. And to judge how tall they are from that height or from an airplane and look down, flying, you know. You can't tell from that distance. 
the difference in the inches that we are. And neither, again, the comparison between God sitting up on his throne fully righteous and us and maybe someone else, maybe a, a couple inches different. Even from the most renegade uh, rejecter of God and those that have given their lives to the Lord even at a young age and have lived godly lives since then, the, the, the comparison still is, is very nil. And actually at, at heart, at bottom, we're all still the same. We're all still corrupt in of ourselves. And the only difference is that God's grace is being lived out of us. And that's the only difference. So again, God gets the glory and not us. And without that, then we're all just the same. And so that's what he prays here. And that's, we see that throughout the Bible. Moses prayed that way. Lord, blot my name out instead of the people. Moses is up on the mountain. He wasn't with them building the golden calf. God says, I'm going to wipe them out. God, Moses says, well, if you're going to do that, you've got to wipe me out too. I'm with them. I'm joined with them. Ezekiel prayed that way. Daniel prays this, this, that way. Paul prayed that way. Yeshua not only prayed that way, but he then actually came and became sin for us and lived it out. And as we enter into God, as we enter into him, as we allow him to enter into us and have his mind and his heart, this will be our experience as well. And that growth with the Lord. And we will get to the point of identifying so with the people. As Yeshua tabernacled with us, as we read a little bit in the Torah tonight. Tabernacled with the people, but with the Lord as well with the people in order to reach them and identify with them, to reach them for the kingdom of heaven. That's what he prays. But we have sinned against you. Oh, the hope of Israel, his savior in time of trouble, why will you be like a stranger in the land? Verse 9, you, O oh Lord, are in our midst, and we are called by your name. Do not leave us. Again, do not leave us. Identify still with the people. And say, Lord, I know you promised never to leave me nor forsake me. And I am your child and I've surrendered my life to you. But don't leave them either. But do not leave us. And again, for your name's sake. Your name. For your name. Don't be a stranger. You're in our midst. Stay and work your power. Powerful prayer. Verse 10, thus says the Lord to his people, thus they have loved to wander, they have not restrained their feet, therefore the Lord does not accept them. He will remember their iniquity, he will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. Verse 11, then the Lord said to me, do not pray for this people, for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. So God now separates Jeremiah from the people and he says, I'm going to do this to them. I'm going to do this to them. I'm going to do this to them. Because they have done this and they have done that and they've rejected. Don't even pray for them. What's an interesting 
verse. God telling his prophet, do not pray for them. Let's see what Jeremiah does. And I said, oh, Lord God, the prophets say, you shall not see the sword nor the famine, but I will give you an assured peace. God's saying, I'm going to, a lot of destruction that come upon them. Jeremiah says, but there's the other prophets that are saying that's not going to happen. Babylon's not going to come. You're going to stand and protect us. Verse 14, the Lord said, they lie in my name. I have not sent them. They give a false vision, a divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. This is the people group I mentioned that did compare these prophets with Jeremiah. They're lying. They're deceiving the people. They're setting them up for a major fall that's coming place. Babylon's coming. And they're not going to be prepared. Because they're teaching false prophecy regarding last day events, regarding their last days. As far as the ancient Israel before the Babylonian destruction. Last days as far as their lives are concerned. And before the captivity. And certainly we can compare them, Jeremiah with them, and certainly Jeremiah was living a better life than them. Jeremiah didn't count any righteousness of his own. Again, we have sinned, our backslidings are many. And so Jeremiah is still praying, and the Lord's saying, they're just liars. Verse 15, the Lord says, those prophets shall be consumed by the sword and famine. The people shall be cast in the streets of Jerusalem, they will have no one to bury them, them, nor their wives, their sons, nor their daughters, for I will pour their wickedness on them. So Babylon comes in with the sword and with the famine and the siege, and God allows the destruction to come. And it's their own wickedness that gets poured out on them. And there's no wickedness in God. But it's their own wickedness, it's their own sins coming down upon themselves. You shall say, let my eyes flow with tears night and day, for the virgin daughter of my people has been broken. In the field, those slain with the sword, in the city, those sick from famine. So God knows Jeremiah, and he's, he's saying, Jeremiah, I know you're going to cry out to me, and you're going to be crying, and your eyes are going to flow with tears night and day. But in the field, they're going to be slain. This is Jeremiah. Jeremiah, again, had God heart. We've seen this several times so far in the study of Jeremiah. The crying prophet, the lamentations of Jeremiah, the heart of God, crying for the people, because he identified with the people. Again, he didn't look at it as an us and them, a me and them, he identified with them, and he truly loved the people. He truly loved those who were rejecting God. He truly loved the lost. When we go through this spiritual experience, and on a daily basis, self-surrendered, dead with the Messiah, alive and new in the Lord, we will cry as well for the lost. We will be burdened for them and we will identify with them.
Have you rejected Judah? Has your soul loathed Zion? Why have you stricken us so that there is no healing? We looked for peace, but there was no good for the time of healing, and there was trouble. We acknowledge our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against you. God tells Jeremiah, stop praying for them, and what does Jeremiah do? He continues to pray for them anyway. So is he being disobedient to God? Or was God testing him? I think it was a test. God did a similar thing to Moses. Get out of my way, let me go and destroy them. I'll make a whole new nation out of you. Moses, no, 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 don't do that. Keep it from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God tells him, don't pray, and he keeps praying. And he keeps praying this type of corporate prayer. We acknowledge our wickedness. We, who's the we? Who's there praying with him for their wickedness? <laughs> They're not praying for their wickedness, but he still identifies, we have acknowledged our, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers. For we have sinned against you. How many corporates right there? Right? We, one, our, two, our, three, we. Four different times just in that verse. Identifying with the people. As we surrender our lives to the Lord, we will have that too. Verse 21. Do not abhor us for your name's sake. Again, not for our glory, not because of us. Don't disgrace the throne of your glory. Remember, do not break your covenant with us. Are there any idols of the nations that can cause rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Are you not he, O Lord our God? We will wait for you since you made all these. He acknowledges God of gods, king of kings. You're the only one who can help us. We have nowhere else to go. So we have to keep coming to you. We have to, I have to keep pleading to you. There's no one else I can plead to. Don't tell me don't pray for them. There's no one else I can pray to. There's no one else who can help. There's no one else who can bring reform. There's no one else who can bring reformation. There's no one else who can bring repentance. Lord, we come to you. For your name's sake. Okay, not for us. but so that your name is glorified, so that your promises for your people come to pass, so that you are true to your word. Lord, help. Lord, heal. Lord, change. Lord, transform. And Jeremiah continues to pray, and as he prays, the whole nation doesn't repent. But we know that there are some. Jeremiah himself, Daniel, Daniel's friends, Ananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and no doubt others. And Jeremiah's intercession, no doubt, had an impact on that. So as we pray, and we pray corporately for God's people, for our family members, for those at work, for our congregation, whatever corporate We've got several corporate things in our lives, right? Your neighborhood, our nation, the world. 
good for us to get in the practice of praying like Jeremiah prayed and all these others that I mentioned and others that I didn't mention. Daniel, forgive. Lord, forgive. Work your righteousness. Work your truth. Help your people. We have sinned against you. And so as we pray tonight, when we enter into that type of prayer, that God will bring to your mind some corporate in your life. And maybe, right now, maybe your family, maybe our congregation, maybe the professed people of God as a whole, Maybe you're our city or the people at your workplace or in your neighborhood. Whichever corporate God brings to your mind. Maybe the world. Whatever he brings to your mind. Let us pray and enter into this type of corporate repentance with the Lord. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we are thankful for your goodness and for your love to this world and to every individual on it. We're thankful, Lord, that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice to save the world, that the propitiation has been paid, the atonement has been made. Lord, forgive us for our sins. for our iniquities, for us taking our eyes off of you, for us doing our own selfish actions, and the us for each individual here as we pray for whatever group you've impressed our mind with. Lord, we want to surrender our sins to you. And we want to see, receive your forgiveness and your redemption. We want to receive your transformation. Lord, our pride and our arrogance, wash us clean and forgive us. Lord, forgive us for giving weight to the accusations that were holier than anyone else. Lord, forgive us for being selfish and self-centered, for thinking only of ourselves, for what we get out of it, for how we can benefit. Forgive us for not loving our neighbors, not loving our enemies. Forgive us for not caring about them. Forgive us for our sins. Wash us clean. And work in our behalf. Shine your glory upon this world and upon the community that you brought to our mind. And may your name be honored and glorified. May you be lifted up on high. May you be seen in your glory and in your power and in your might and in your truth. And may your word be affirmed and come to pass. 
In Yeshua's holy name, amen.